these lessons are very much geared like a Bible study where um, they are taught really not in a service setting, but um, as the vision of this church goes, we want people to go right into a Bible study, complete a Bible study, and then as the church continues to grow, what will happen is downstairs, two classrooms will be devoted on an ongoing basis. One is a Bible study. Somebody gets done, they go right into the Now What Discipleship course, and then they get done and come upstairs. So, but we haven't done this in several years, so I wanted to go back over, because even though some of this is review for us, these types of things, lifestyle issues, what people see, we all need refreshers on what is thus saith the word of God, because a lot of these things are countercultural. So we need to be reminded, biblically, this is why I do what I do, so I don't ever have to blow with every, every wind of doctrine, so to speak. So... Um, so that's the, the, what is geared at this. If you have, if you're here and you say, I didn't get a handout and you want a handout, just raise your hand. Brother Nathan Green will get a handout in your hands. Um, if you need a pen, he'll also hook you up with that. Just raise your hand and say, I need a pen. Um, and so they'll get you that. I told Sister Rita to not give everybody a handout because sometimes I just see them folded up, thrown in the garbage. And so I love trees. Uh, not, not really. I mean, I do, but you know, we just don't want to waste trees. So, so if you don't want them, we'll hold on to them. By no means do you have to take them. But I am excited, and we're going to be pressed for time each week because there's a lot of content. So we're going to try and keep things moving. Uh, if you're listening online, I know not everybody, based on work schedules and things, cannot be here present tonight. But we welcome you in who are listening on the podcast uh, and so I'm praying that this is going to impact lives really not just even here tonight, but elsewhere. Uh, many people will come into a Pentecostal church. They will feel conviction during a sermon, uh, a study. They will repent of their sins, be baptized in Jesus' name. They will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And then they get done and say, now what? Where do I go from here? Now what? What's the next step? I mean, what? What's the plan here? And so that's what this course is meant to do. The Bible study is meant to give a foundation. What do I believe? What does Noah's Ark even mean? Why do I care? How does it pertain to today? Who is Jesus? What is water baptism? What is the Spirit infilling? How do I receive the Spirit? That's not covered in this lesson because this is written with the fact that, hey, we're assuming that you have either experienced this, you've gone through a Bible study, you learned that. This builds upon what you've learned in a Bible study. So a new Bible study starting next week in the lower level on Wednesday night. Otherwise, you can see me, and we can get you hooked up with a Bible study outside of Wednesday night. We can come to your home, uh, come to ours, come at the church. We can meet in a public place, whatever that is. I say this not only for you here tonight, but people listening online. We even have Bible study on DVD. So there's several options for that. But tonight's lesson is the whole series is called Now What? A series on growing with God. Tonight's lesson is Where Do I Go From Here? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, Father, we are launching into this series, and it's a series that in, in the vision you've given me for this church, for your church, this is critical. It's key that every person completes this, hears this information, Lord God. And although discipleship is very much a hands-on process with us between each other, but also these are biblical principles that are what we build on. So help our hearts and minds to be open. Help me to do a good job and to be anointed by you. I, I, I need that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, the good news is if you're here and you say, well, I've never repented of my sins. I've never been baptized. I've never received the Holy Ghost. It's, uh, it's not an exclusive club. You can get it tonight. 
We can baptize you in the name of Jesus tonight. You can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight. So that's what the beautiful thing is. But sometimes we make a stand for God and we try to make changes to live for God. And it can be, and maybe some of you, you forgot this because you've been walking with God so long. But it can be incredibly overwhelming to try to make changes, especially if you've been living a certain way, doing certain things for 30, 40 years, running with a circle of friends that believe this is okay or that's okay or this is acceptable, and you start to say, hey, I want to make changes. I don't feel right going there. I don't feel right doing this. I don't feel right living this way. It can be so overwhelming because you're trying to change things, and and you, you, you can and then you come to church, and you look at someone that you think has it all together, and you're like, I'm never going to be like them. I'm never going to reach that potential. Well, I want to address some of that in this opening lesson. We look at where we are now, what we struggle with. And if we start looking forward and you say, I'll never get there, I want you to know, don't feel like that. Because growing with God is a process. It is a process. It's a step-by-step process. You just want to make sure this was the first vision. Anybody remember when I came here as pastor seven years ago? Do you remember the first Big cardboard sign I made in this church. Does anybody remember it besides my wife? Moving forward. Moving forward became the theme song. It became the vision of that year because you know what? That is the, it, we need to make sure, hey, I'm always moving forward. I'm not saying, hey, here's where I'm now. There's want to be. I'm never going to get there. I'm overwhelmed. That can be completely overwhelming. But if you just say, hey, am I closer to God this week than I was last week? And, and, and did I, have I grown with God this year compared to last year? That is where we want to start, moving forward one step at a time. So this is a series on growing with God. You'll be, if, if, you, if you do things, if you start to say, well, you know what? I got to change the things I do, the way I dress, the things I, places I go for fun, the way I talk, my lifestyle in general. You get to the place where you're putting the cart before the horse. Don't, don't start to say, well, I got to do this. I got to change this. I got to change this. I gotta. They want me to change everything about my, there, there is no one here that if you're a new believer, you just started walking this way that we're saying, we want you to change everything about your life and you need to conform right now. That's not the case. And just remember the things that we're going to cover in this series are advanced things. They get a little more advanced later on, but I want you to know that God wants you to first focus on the basics. I did not, per, uh, Put it, line up this lesson just by a flip of a coin. What lesson should I do next? How about the one on this? How about the one on this? It's very strategic. For instance, next week, uh, and, and I mix another voice, uh, another voice too, and that's Brother Foster. Brother Foster, as we know, is an incredible teacher, great man of God who lives this. So I want him in the pulpit for some of these lessons. He's teaching next Wednesday on uh, who or what is God in the Bible. So some of these lessons, you're like, are you serious? I mean, this is where we're starting? Well, the reason we start here is because not everybody might be as advanced as some of you. We're, we're, everybody's in different parts of their walk with God. So we want to start with this. Why? Because there's no need to go into lifestyle issues and what people see and what the church means if we don't know what who or what the Bible is, what does it mean to be t- to pray, to fast. So we start with the basics. And really, this, th- this whole curriculum is based in four categories. There's going to be a total of 16 lessons on all different things, so don't worry. We're not just going to stay on one topic for 16 weeks. But there are going to be four things that are really, or, or 16 things based on essentially four categories. Number one is the basics. Number two 
is lifestyle issues. Hey, what does the Bible say? You know, uh, does Isaiah address the internet? I mean, uh, 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 does Matthew talk about television? No, no, it's not in the Bible. But principles are in the Bible that should guide these choices. So again, when we go through this lesson, we're not saying, here's the rules of this church. That's not the case. It's simply saying, hey, here's what Scripture says in these areas of Christian living, and you're going to make your own choices. I'll say at times, hey, as, as for me in my house, this is where we set our line. And this is where I suggest you set yours. But I know that the days of positional authority are probably gone. I'm not going to be able to say Because I'm the pastor. I said so. People today, like, I don't care who you are and what you think you do. I mean, whether you agree with it, whether you like that or not, it's what I, I realize is true. So I want to show you what is thus saith the word of God. What does the Bible say in these four categories? So it's lifestyle issues is second. Third is church and family. And fourth is what people see. Does it mean that what people see is the least important? No, not necessarily. But if holiness that is on the outside emanates from what is on the inside, and that is why we start with the basics first starting tonight. And so uh, don't try to change yourself before you even have the Holy Ghost. Because you know what? The Spirit of God was not just speak in tongues so you can get a get in, out of jail free, get into heaven free card. The Spirit of God, tongues is the evidence that you've received the Spirit, but the Spirit is there much more than just for speaking in tongues. The Spirit is there to lead you, guide you, give you strength. The Spirit's there to quicken you on things. You're going to start to walk even throughout this series. You're going to start to walk and be challenged on things, and the Spirit's going to quicken your mind, and all of a sudden, hey, you know, it's time to start doing this. Well, I've never done that before. I've never fasted for a 24 period. I've never gone on a three-day fast. I've never gone on a seven-day fast. I've never gone on a 40-day Daniel's fast. And some of this I'm saying, you're like, heavens, oh my goodness, I will never do that. Listen, start somewhere. Start somewhere, and you'll see God start to develop. When we talk about prayer, praying for an hour a day, I can barely pray for 10 minutes a day. Guess what? You start somewhere. Things start to develop, and, 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 and something starts to happen. All of a sudden, things that you say, well, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to look like those women or those men or act like that or, or live my life like that. But you see something scripturally, and if your heart's open and if your mind's open, which my mind and heart, my life is wide open to whatever God wants me to do. And if that's your attitude, you're going to start to feel things and sense things, maybe at different times than someone else. And that's the beauty of the walking in the Spirit. Because you know what? God knows what we're ready for at what time. And so God's going to start to deal with you about something, and you're going to, oh, man, I feel conviction about this. Maybe it's some, something you wear, something you listen to, some place you go, whatever it is. But God starts to deal with you in a way that, hey, I'm not going to stand up and say, you better do this, because that's, that, that's, that's not even what I think is biblical. But scripturally, if you will allow yourself to be open with this, I promise you this, folks, here and online, at some point over the next 16 weeks, I promise you, you will not agree with every single thing you hear based on where you are right now. Meaning this, at some point over the next 16 weeks, you're going to be challenged about something to go higher. 
there's going to be something that you, that you hear or you feel, whether it's in Christian living, it's what people see, lifestyle issues, the church and family, whatever it is, that there's going to be something. You might say, well, I don't do that. But instead of saying, I don't do that, I don't see I need to do that and just argue, maybe you can say, Lord, I don't do this, but Jesus, will you show me if this is something you want me to do? How many of you will make at least that commitment to say, everything that is taught in this series, I will raise my hand and I will promise before man and God, humankind and God, I will raise my hand and say this, I promise that I will pray about every single topic and every single lesson and let the Lord speak to me. Raise your hand if you'll do that. All right, so let's read the people who don't have their, no, I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. That's what we want to do. We always want to say, God, I am wide open for you to do what you desire in me. Because ultimately, my life is not my own. I've been bought and paid for with a price. Jesus, let me reflect you in every facet of my life. Amen? And so the youth are going to stay up for some of the lessons. We've talked with the youth pastor. We, we, we've kind of worked through this as far as I don't want to take 16 weeks away from the youth group. But I do. There's a several, a handful of key lessons that we want, whether it's about music, whether it's about um, um, entertainment choices and things. We feel like that's pertinent for our youth to be up here and hear from their pastor. Um, and then Brother Chad, Sister Tiffany, they're going to do some things as far as some of the same topics. They're going to teach it uh, more geared at you guys uh, uh, downstairs um, on some of the other weeks. So your salvation experience of repentance, water baptism, and infilling of the Spirit is only the beginning of your walk with God. It's, it's not the end. It's a launching pad to greater things. Everything God designed, he designed it to grow. He made it. You know, you look at even nature, the tree, the children. You can look at a, ch- a beautiful little child. You say, oh, my goodness, this child is so cute, so adorable. Amelia has celebrating her first birthday today, right? So Amelia's adorable little one-year-old, and that year flew by, and we're talking about how cute she is and how adorable she is, and I bet you 99% of the time her dad agrees with that, except for when she cries, right? At nighttime, you lose sleep. But six years from now, if Amelia's the same size and speaking the same way and acting the same way, we'd all be saying, let's pray for Amelia. Something's not right. We need a miracle. Because God didn't design Amelia to be that same size and talk that same way and act that same way for the next six years. The trees, too. I mean, you look at nature. God designs things to grow. So God help us if we look and we say, hey, I've been coming to this church for five years. And we look back and we say, I haven't grown at all in the last five years. And we say, okay, hey, what do I need to do different? Because I want to be growing. I don't want to stay the same. So when I'm born again, hey, we might start off with milk and basic things. That's what the Bible compares it to. But eventually we start to eat meat. If we gave Amelia a filet mignon right now, I might say, hey, it's her birthday. Kevin, let me take her out for filet. And we'll give her filet mignon. Well, he'd be in the good dad say, you gave my daughter a filet mignon. She's a year old. She's going to choke on it. Well, this is what Paul compares it to in the word of God that, hey, if you're a new believer, there's certain things that you're just not ready for yet. And that's fine. God is going to begin to convict you and lead you by his spirit on various things at various times. And that's the way the church works. That's the way his spirit works. And so, um, so yeah, so as the church, it's compared to a baby eating milk. Even in the Bible, that child is being hand or breastfed from the mother. Yet as the child gets older, The child feeds themselves. There's a serious issue if there's a 16-year-old still breastfeeding. 
I mean, we say that's just weird. We all feel uncomfortable right now. Well, that's because that would be very awkward. That's not normal. Well, neither is it if you're saying, well, pastor didn't feed me this week. Well, how long have you been coming to church here? I'm the only meal that you get when I hand feed you on Sundays? No, no, folks. When you're walking with God, you have a responsibility to feed yourself. Amen? And so you even think about who's able to defend himself or herself more, a mature adult or a newborn baby. Well, obviously we know the answer to that. It's a mature adult. And so what, look at what the Bible says about, and it's Family Wednesday. If you're listening on the podcast, you're going to hear some different voices reading some of our younger kids. They stay up one time a month, and uh, they, they pray, saying, ushers, greeters. They help us read scriptures in the message. So pardon us if you hear a different voice, but we call our kids up to read different scriptures and get them involved in this. And so that's what you're going to hear. But right, let's look at what the Bible says about the devil. First Peter 5, 8. I, ne- I need the kids to move quick, though, because we need to keep this moving. Who we got? Where are we at? First Peter 5, 8. All right. Come on, Luke. Come on up. They always start a little slow. I'm glad you start us off, Luke, because everybody's kind of like, I don't want to be the first one. But by the end, we got maybe five or six coming. All right. You can read it off there or off my notes, either one. Be sober, be vigilant, because... Oh, Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. All right. So, be sober. The the devil is as a roaring lion. The devil doesn't want you to to see you grow with God or make it to heaven. Let's just be real. The devil hates your guts. So he'll do everything in his power to destroy you, kill you spiritually. And people, he he will often try to destroy and devour newborn believers. I mean, look at even in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, Exodus, he tried to kill real babies. New Testament, Jesus being born, he tries to kill real. Well, there's spiritual application, too, to that. He's always trying to kill, especially new babies. There's a lot, there's, they're a lot easier to kill in a sick, sad way, spiritually and even physically, as you read in the Bible. But so he is trying to seek and to destroy the innocent and the newborn. He knows that they're not as strong and, and fully developed, but God doesn't want us to remain infants or newborn babies forever. Once you're born again, it's time to move to some of the deeper things God has for you, to work toward the meat instead of milk. Are we ready for this? All right, me and my wife already. Anybody else? All right. As we begin our walk with God, it's time to leave the guilt behind because when people make a stand for God, and even if you're here tonight, some of this stuff is so basic for some of you. But I need you to still tune in for a couple reasons. Number one, some aren't all on the same level with you. They haven't been walking with God as long as you have. But number two, we're calling on people to disciple people. You need to know this as you begin to work with new believers. So it's not just for your walk with God anymore. It becomes your walk with God that you can help someone else in their walk with God as they come to Christ. So that's another reason to tune into this. So the past is only a testimony. Let's now look at our future. Where do we go from here? Don't be afraid. I come across people regularly that they say, oh, I'm, I'm ashamed because I did this. And, and I used to get drunk here. And I was arrested. And I slept with this person. We weren't married. And this happened. And this happened. And I don't want anybody to know about it. 
If you're serving God now, and he has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, and he's turned your world around, washed away your sins in the waters of baptism, filled you with his spirit, changed your life, why not tell someone? There's no problem with looking at someone and saying, hey, let me show you some of the scars of my previous life. Let me tell you what God protected me from, brought me out of. Let me tell you how God delivered me. There's no reason to say, I just, I just, I'm so embarrassed of my past because you don't know what I've done. You're right, I don't know what you've done. And if you told me, I'd probably ask you to testify. So, now some of you are like, I'm definitely never telling you now. Jesus Christ has never for, refused forgiveness to anyone. Tell me a scripture where someone came to Jesus and said, God, forgive me. Lord, I'm a sinner. He's between two thieves on a cross at the last dying breaths. And one of them said, hey, remember me. And what does he say? Absolutely. He doesn't say, you scoundrel, why'd you wait till now? He doesn't say, are you kidding me? You're here probably because you murdered people. I ain't forgiven you. You're a loser. No, we don't serve that God. He is a God of grace, a God of mercy. Anytime we read that someone says, God, forgive me. Lord, I come to you. I need your help. We see him saying, hey, I'm going to stop the multitude. I'm going to spend time with the kids. I'm going to go over here to the, to the people who can't see, who can't speak, the dead people, the harlots. That's the God we serve. So it didn't matter to him what, what they did. Even his disciples, look, when he calls them, he says, he does not say, all right, casting call for disciples. I need a full background check. I need your application, and I need your three references. Even to call the people who he is literally going to invest himself in for the next couple years and then say, hey, take this message and go change the world. He does not say, well, Tell me about that time where you messed up. Tell me about that time where you sinned, where you let me down. Plus, tell me about your experience. I just, no, he says, hey, I'm going to give you my spirit. You're going to go wait for it. And then you know what? If you will let me, I will work through you in a mighty, marvelous way, and we'll go change the world together. You never see him say, well, we can, but first we need to talk about your past. So then how come when we come into church, we have that mindset that God just, he's never going to accept me because of what I've done. Listen, what you've done, it's a, it's a testimony about his power and his grace. And so if you're willing to leave your past behind and walk with Jesus and learn from him and his word, he'll forgive you. And forgiveness is granted to anyone who asks for it. Our problem, you know what our problem is? A lot is forgiving ourselves. Because we have this conscience, and then the Holy Ghost kind of convicts us about things, and, and it changes us about things moving forward. But the Holy Ghost doesn't convict you about things that you were prior to the blood. Now, there might be remnants of that in our life, things that we still have to work with the, um, with the results of choices we made previously. But God still is going to give us the grace to work through those things. And so guilt, humankind was constructed in such a way that when he or she feels guilt, he or she is con compelled to do something about it. Guilt has got to be resolved, and guilt is either, guilt will either lead you to the throne of God or some form of self-punishment. Either leads you to the throne of God or some form of self-punishment. And a lot of times, too, I'm never good enough. I'm never going to be able to, I, I'm not worthy of this. Listen, throw that 
put that in a garbage bag and take it out and throw it in the dumpster, okay? Because God makes it clear in his word that he, when, when he wants, he wants you and I to choose him in his grace and his mercy. Accept the fact that God is not out to crush you under the weight of guilt. God is not going, oh, I'm going to show you I'm God. You sinned against me. You let me down. Let me show you how grandiose and large I am, and I'm going to squash you like a bug. But yet people have this concept of God that he's just, I'm afraid of God because, you know, God's this God that literally holds us by our coattails over the flames of hell. And he's like, make a mistake. Come on, let's see. Can you make a mistake? Let's get, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. Like we have this warped sense of God instead of, hey, I love those people so much. I'm going to take on flesh, humble myself, walk among them so that I can have a body and blood to be beaten for them, shed for them, allow myself to be nailed on a cross. Why? Because I want to bridge the gap that was created by sin because I love them. That's the God we serve. And that's the God we have to portray to other people. See, sometimes Pentecostals get a bad rap because you guys have to do all these things. Don't ever let someone say that. So you say, honey, I'll tell you what, I don't have to do anything. I choose to live the way that I live. And if I choose not to, I still can go worship in that church. Ain't nobody going to kick me out. And, and, but I'll tell you this. I live the way I live because I see it scripturally, and I believe that certain, certain disciplines that I have in my life, it's not that I earn anything from God, but it's the mark of Christian commitment. It's me seeing something biblically and saying, I want to live that way as a, a holiness, as a separation from the rest of the world system, and I want to set myself apart in consecration to my God, my Lord, and my Savior. That's why I do what I do. So people I want to say you're legalistic, you believe in rules, you say, no, 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 stop right there. I don't know what church you went to or what experiences you had in the past, but that's not us. But then people, many, many will ask the question, well, how often do I got to repent? I mean, because I got baptized and I was washed, the pastor said, and I was clean. I was a new creature in Christ, and I was sin-free. It was all washed away, and pastor, it only lasted for three and a half minutes. <laughs> so what happens now? Can we do it again on Wednesday night? Any, I mean, kids, young people, you're in here. How many times do you have to get baptized? One, but what about if I sin again? Because now I'm, not, I'm, I'm messed up again. So don't I need to go back in the water another time? How often am I supposed to repent? Our first initial repentance turns us from darkness to light, from our way to God's way, but repentance must not end there. It's the beginning, not the ending, to remain in fellowship with the Lord. He exposes what's really in our hearts, and that requires constant changing because even when our hearts are good, guess what? They can get ugly pretty quick. Little by little, he brings things to the surface, and that displease him and begin change. I started talking about that conviction. Second, Second Corinthians seven one. My next reader, where are they at? All right, I got too many to choose from. You guys, all jump. Can we, can we start over? Who's my reader? Anyone? Okay, I'll just read it then. 
This is the first time. Normally, everybody always jumps up. 2 Corinthians 7.1, having therefore the promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Notice it says, let us cleanse ourselves. I can't cleanse myself, but when I've been washed in the waters of baptism, there's certain things I'm going to do that make choices that I make that say I'm not going to let filth in my life anymore. This constant cleansing and growth requires constant repentance. Paul says, I die daily. We talk about that in in light of repentance. That was not a one-time thing. How often should you repent? How often do you think you sin? I'll just tell you right now, I'm at least daily. So I'm going to repent at least daily. Every single day, I'm going to say, God, forgive me again. Clean me. Like David's beautiful prayer, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I will say scripture and just say, God, beautiful prayers of repentance and restoration. I need that, Lord. In the book of Revelation, just talked about this on Sunday. Jesus walked in the midst of the seven local churches. To five out of the seven, he warned them that unless he repented, unless they repented, severe loss would come. End times church, churches, in the book of Revelation, in those local churches, he says, a five out of seven, he called for repentance. And unless you repent, severe punishment will come. We absolutely have got to be repenting regularly. Initially, we repent because we're sinners. Afterward, we're repenting because we're doing wrong. We're failing. But the key is to never, ever hear me. Never let your guilt take over and get you to the place where you feel like God no longer cares. There's too much sin or you're no longer good enough. I'm going to repeat that. Because you need to know that, you need to hear that, and you need to help other people know that. Never get to the place that you think, well, my sin, God no longer cares. There's too much sin in my life, or I'm no longer good enough for him. Look at scripturally. That's a lie from the devil. God makes it clear he wants us to bring our failures to him. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is, read it with me faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where does the initial cleansing take place? In the water. What name is called over you in the water? Jesus. He's saying, now come before me and confess your sins. If you do that, I won't just forgive you, but I will continually cleanse you. I don't have to jump back into that water. I had the name called over me already one time. Now, if you have not been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, according to the biblical method, that is what we have to do biblically. But if you've done that, I don't have to get baptized the second time, a third time, a fourth time. I can continue to say, God, forgive me. Here is what I've done. Please cleanse me. I'm so sorry, Jesus. Wash me again in your blood and cleanse me of unrighteousness. 
Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. He's gone through what we've gone through, yet he didn't sin. Therefore, it says, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. I don't know about you, but when I'm on my daily repentance, there's sometimes I know I have been an extra large knucklehead, not just a little knucklehead. And I am not going, hey, where's the throne of grace? Because I'm coming on in. There's times it's like tail between your legs. God, it's me again. I'll never forget the, 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 the picture that my parents had of a precious moments. They were bigger back in the day. They don't seem as big now. Anybody know precious moments? We know what those are, right? I'm thinking these weren't just a Wisconsin thing, were they? So that's a whole other story. I wish I had time to, to digress. I, I, I remember I thought I, I got my wife a Sweetest Day card. and Sweetest Day is like only celebrated in Wisconsin. And I was really annoyed and hurt. She didn't get me one. She didn't even know what Sweetest Day was. So I got duped by Hallmark. I just wanted to support Sister Ginger, I guess. So <laughs> anyway, so I've just contributed to her retirement fund um, <laughs> with my card. So, so, um, but yeah, so the, there was a precious moment that said, hello, there's a little precious moment on, a, on the phone with the tear coming down the eye and it says, hello, Lord, it's me again. And I think sometimes we feel that way. Anybody ever ask God for repentance for something more than one time? All right. So we have at least six or other, seven other heathens in this place like myself. All right. So why? Because, you know, we, some, we just don't get it sometimes. We, we're human. We, we, we fall back in. We make choices to go back in. And we just mess up. And so, again, we say, God, could I just have your grace again? Jesus, please forgive me. And he has a promise. Come boldly. You need grace and mercy? Come boldly. You'll, you'll find it by me. Why? Because he died to bridge this gap. He's not looking to open the gap back up. If we stay in fellowship and communion and relationship and forgiveness and repentance, that gap is never going to close. Think about that. What a beautiful thing. And so we aim to live a sin-free life by the power of God's Spirit. I can't. And that's why you need the Spirit, too. It's not, you need to speak in tongues. That's the evidence you have the Spirit. The reason you need the Spirit, hey, not just to get me to heaven, but the whole process of getting there. I need to have the Spirit inside of me so I can walk my daily life as an overcomer. So when sin does make its way back in, I immediately find, I say, God, forgive me. Here's the sin. I make, again, my about face. I'm walking away from it. And the Bible says after our initial salvation experience, we become a new creature in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All old things are passed away. All things become new. There's a marked difference in our life. And it's our responsibility to return to the, to the, to the path that God's called us to walk on. Because you will fall. You will make mistakes. Even after you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, you're going to sin. It's this constant battle of denying flesh, walking the Spirit. That's why we got to fast, too, which we'll cover that later. But there's many in our world today who are miserable over the way that they've lived their lives. Many wish they could somehow go back, erase their past, start all over again. But in some ways, you say, my heart is just so dirty, it's so messed up. Well, isn't it beautiful that God says that when, you get, when you're born again and you get that Holy Ghost, you get a new heart? Not literally a new, I'm going to open heart surgery. 
But look at Ezekiel 11, 19. I will give them one heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I will take the hearts of, would take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Listen, this is God talking about, hey, when I fill you with my spirit, things change. When we repent, we die out to flesh and our old way of doing things. When we're baptized, we bury the old sinful person in the waters of baptism. And then when we receive God's spirit, we are resurrected to walk in newness of life with God's spirit inside of us. So even that, repentance, water, baptism, spirit, I want you to understand the way that correlates with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we put off the old man, we can allow the new man, and I say man just because it's King James English, not being gender biased or anything. Ladies, don't get mad. But Romans 6, 4 says, Therefore, we're buried with him, baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Sin no longer has an ability or a control over us. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. And when I align my life in repentance, water, baptism, spirit, and filling, you know what? I have that same victory. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. You're not under the law, but under grace. Sin has no power in anyone's life. But I've been stuck in this. I keep doing this. Then you know what? You need to counsel with somebody, begin to pray and fast, read the word. There might be some behavioral changes that need to take place. But there is sin does not have. The devil's not in all places. The devil keeps tempting me. The devil keeps tempting me. Then I'm going to say, whoa, you must be a heavy hitter in the spiritual world. Because out of like six, seven billion people, the devil can only be in one place at one time, and he's right here with you. We're tempted by our own flesh, our own lust and enticed. We're sinful by nature, so it's a matter of denying this flesh, walking in the spirit. And that takes some time to learn to do, but we got to be aiming for that. The new birth gives us a new nature. However, we can still allow the old nature to control us. It's serving God is still your choice. Ephesians 4.22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So much of what you struggle with is right here. And you know why you struggle with so much here? We're going to cover that in a later lesson. Because what lives here is a result of what goes in here and here and plants itself in there. See, this all connects. That's why when people say, you're going over the rules of the church. Man, there ain't no rules. I'm going over the way this thing works so we can make sure that what's up here, as I can say, I can think of whatsoever things are good and pure and holy. I want to think on those things. And that's hard to do if you're watching Game of Thrones or something. That's a later lesson, though. I've never seen it, but I've heard about it. And to me, that's nothing a Christian should be watching. But that's a later lesson. So as you begin your new life, it's important to respond to the temptation to return to the old lifestyle or slide backwards. Luke 9, 62. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow, looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is a challenge from our Savior, okay? He says, you're going to work for me. You're going you're to grab the plow. You're going to start to work. And you're still trying to look back. He said, you ain't fit to do it. 
But you read all these verses about grace and mercy and God. Come boldly and do these things. But one thing God does seem to require is some commitment. He's not going to hold you over hell. You made a mistake. No. But are you committed? If you're not committed, he doesn't really seem to put up with that so much. He's saying, hey, if you're in this, then get in it. But stop trying to fit in two worlds. That's why the next passage, he simply says this. Remember Lot's wife. Oh, I mean, I, I always begged my teachers in Christian schools to have this as my memory verse. Bible quizzing, Luke 17, 32 quotation. Boom, I'd be on this one. Right? Yeah. Remember Lot's wife. Why is that there? Because they knew the story of Lot's wife. Lot's wife had grace and mercy. God, the angel, shows up, gets them out of the city in Sodom and Gomorrah, saying, I'm going to destroy it with fire and brimstone. And he says, but you know what? You need to get out of here. And he gives a lot. He says, specific command. Don't look back. Well, why? It doesn't matter why. I'll tell you why, though, because when God calls you out of something, he never calls you throughout this series. Remember this. If you feel like, hey, God's calling me to give this up or to change this in my life, God will never, ever ask you to to call you out of something if he doesn't have something better for you. It will never happen. Don't ever feel like you're getting duped somehow by serving God and everybody else is having a great life. That's hogwash, okay? When you, if you can say, God, hey, if God calls you out of something, it's because he's calling you to something greater. But he says, remember Lot's wife. Why? Because when she was called out, her heart was still kind of back there. She was still kind of like, hey, I'm just not ready to walk away from this. I, I wonder, and this is human nature. God's there. The people are taken out of Exodus, or in Exodus out of Egypt after 430 years of slavery. The minute they hit their first obstacle, what do they say? Let's go back. Let's go back. You want to go back? You want to go back to a place of slavery where you lived as a slave in bondage, building other people's cities for 430 years? Yeah, because it's just human nature. It's what I know. And so that's why sometimes, that's why we need disciple makers here. Because as new believers come in, those first few months are critical to someone's walk with God because their, their, their autopilot is going to tell them to go back. And they got to have someone that comes alongside them and says, listen, you can do this. I'm here. Let's begin to pray. You don't have to return. God's called you out of that. And we need some people that are willing to do that. And so even if, again, if you're saying, this, this is so basic, we'll get to the other stuff later. But please, for yourself and for the other people who are coming in that you're going to disciple, please get this down. Because we need it. Remember Lot's wife. Oh, she, she, she went to a pillar of salt because her heart, she was still looking backward when God was trying to call her out of something and into something greater. And so don't look back. So, and do like Paul did. He says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching unto the things which are before. This is a theme in the Bible. I press toward the mark of the high call. And you think, well, what, Paul, he, he, he's a good man. I mean, he was trained by Gamaliel. This dude was probably responsible for killing, as we looked in the book of Acts, killing Christians. 
I don't know if he killed him himself, just took him to be killed, but he was responsible for it. You want to talk about some nightmares? You want to talk about some guilt as you began to serve God? Some things you had to work through and say, but I'm not worthy. Oh, why would Paul say he's the chiefest of sinners? Because you know why? I bet you he battled with some of those past memories. But he had to keep saying, I serve a God of grace. Too much is given. Much is required. I can do this. I've, I've been called by God. Thank God. I'm, I'm the chiefest of sinners. But I'll tell you what. I've, I've found grace. I've found the mercy of Christ. That's why he could preach it with such passion and such conviction. And that's why he can say, folks, listen to the church in Philippi. He says, I tell you, forget the things which are behind you. Begin to press toward the things God has for you. Don't look backward. Do your best. to Don't let the newness wear off. Again, how many of us, I pray that we, some of us can still remember what it felt like as your face came up out of that water. If you can still remember what it felt like when you knelt or raised your hands and stood in tears, maybe not in every case, not every person cries. But oftentimes tears began to stream down your cheeks and you spoke this heavenly language for the first time in your life. I've never talked to someone who spoke in tongues and I get done and say, how are you feeling? They're like, eh, all right. You remember that cloud nine feeling when you're just like, wow, wow. I hope we haven't served God so long we forgot that. And if it's been a long time since you've prayed through, spoken in tongues again, the initial sign of the speaking in tongues was not just a one-time deal. It's a prayer language. We should be praying just like repenting every day. We should be speaking in tongues every single day. Yeah, but there's no organ there. There's no keyboard there. You don't need that. You begin to praise God. He's drawn to the praise of his people every single day in your prayer time. You should be speaking in tongues. It's a prayer language. And if you don't understand that, let see me. We'll, I'll dive into that a little deeper with you. But see, we got to make sure that that excitement doesn't wear off no matter how long. I don't ever want to become the Laodicean church, the lukewarm church. You know, I, I've been living this way so long. I've seen it all. I've heard some of the best preachers. See if they can shake me out of my seat today. Maybe they got a new song to get me to stand up tonight. Oh, God, forgive us if that's ever the case. I don't care what song's sung. I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm going to stand. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to find an altar tonight in just a few minutes. Oh, but this message was so basic, but it was basic in a message that I never want to forget, that the blood of Calvary still washes away my sins today. You better believe I'm going to find an altar tonight before I leave. I don't care if I could preach this front and back. I still am reminded of the fact that my God manifests himself in flesh. He died on a cross. He, he didn't just do it one time, but he allows me to continually come in all of my failures and stinking flesh and find him again and say, God, cleanse me, wash me, purge me, renew a right spirit in my life, Jesus. Give me the strength that I need by the power of the spirit. Let's just take a moment right now, clap your hands. Clap your hands, Jesus, thank you, Lord. Oh, God, thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us to never forget this, Lord. It's the essence of what we teach and live and believe, God. Oh, in Jesus' name. But we have to be careful, and I'm not going to be much longer. We have to be careful. Because I don't know if you've ever read the book or saw the movie, The Call of the Wild. It's basically about, like, the, the, the wolf that's, like, raised 
domesticated. The guy tries to raise it like a dog and treats it. And well, every time that dog still had wolf in him, so every time that dog would go outside, you know, you'd hear, and that dog would just go crazy, right? Because the dog, it, it was a wolf. You can try and raise it as a dog, make it domesticated, bring it in the house, but it's, it's a wolf. There's still something in it innate in them. That even though God fills us with the Spirit and we're walking with Him, you know what? The call of the wild's still always out there. That's why the Bible says, take heed. You think you stand, lest you fall. I would never, I would never do this. Don't say you would never do anything. Because you know what? Enough time away from Jesus, enough time away from the word of God, enough time away from a corporate gathering of worship, enough time away from God's spirit, your flesh will do anything. There's nothing that is beyond the reach of your flesh as far as sin. Your flesh will do anything if you stay away from the word of God. Corporate worship, the spirit of the Lord, and, and, and just continually seeking after him. That's why I die daily. I get in his word daily. I speak in tongues daily. Paul says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. It wasn't a bragging. It was because he knew, I need this too. I need this too. And so we're going to look in depth how to understand and defeat temptation in a later lesson. But let's be real today. The Bible says we're born again, but sometimes newborns fall down. My son's one. He's walking great, but he falls down a lot. I'm 35. I still sometimes fall up the stairs. I don't know. <laughs> right? But, but some of you are like, you ain't seen nothing yet. It's coming. But for those of you who are parents or grandparents, your baby started walking, falls down. How many of you said, get up! Don't, don't fall! That would be pretty pathetic. And if I see you do, I'm going to call the cops on you. <laughs> but yet people have this mindset of God. I tried to walk from him, and I fell, and I just feel I'm never going to do it, and he's just going to get angry at me. What kind of God? And you know what's sad is a lot of times people associate God because the wording, the heavenly father. And so people often will associate God with their father. And in this day and age, fathers have really missed the mark in a lot of homes. And so when you miss the mark, we, oh, I don't want anything to do with that if he's my father. He's the father you wish you always had. Love emanates from him. So don't compare him to your physical father. But the relationship there is, yes, it's the way a father is supposed to love. That's why dads are supposed to love their families, their wives, as Christ loved the church and willing to give himself for it. But this is that he's, he's, he's not the kind of, get up, stop. He picks us up, brushes us off, and says, that's all right. You're going to get it. We're heading to the same place. Just keep walking. Keep moving forward. But we should repent and turn away sin. The Bible tells us to confess and forsake. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh. 
This does not mean, Lord, sorry, I did this. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to say, I'm sorry again. And Wednesday night, I'm going to Thursday night, I'm going to do it again. Say, I'm sorry again. God's calling us to confess and forsake. And that's part of why he gives you his spirit to have the power to do that. And that's why Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, well, then, should we keep on sinning so God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Paul says, of course not. Since we've died to sin, don't continue to live in it. The story is told of a man who cut down a tree. Whoever's playing keyboard can come give them hope that I'm wrapping it. A friend happened to pass by and inquire about what he was doing. He's cutting down a tree. What are you doing? I'm building a home. But today I've started just by cutting down the tree. Realizing the gigantic task of building a house, he set his goal and took the first step. He cut down a tree. Tomorrow, he'd cut the tree into a few boards. Eventually, the house would be completed. But not in the next day and not in the next month. Can I get an amen, Kirby and Alice? They bought a beautiful house out in the country, but they've been putting work into the land, into the house, into the barn, and... It's, it's a process. Be assured, growth will come that you can see. Growth will come that you can measure. Growth will come, but it's a gradual day-by-day process. Since the Lord patiently waits for us to grow and develop, we also need to learn to be patient with ourselves and be patient with the people you're discipling. This day and age, there's more sin, I feel like, than ever before as far as even not just sin, but just the grip and the everywhere you go. It's on social media, billboards. It's just, it's calling to you everywhere you go. So a lot of people, they're trying to make significant, massive changes in their life. Don't expect them to do it in the next week or two. Just keep on loving them. And there's times as you're working with someone, they are going to disappoint the fire out of you. They are, they are, I mean, they're going to hurt. You're going to want to say, are we back to drinking the bottle when we were just eating steak? But you just got to love them like Jesus does. If Jesus says, I have an open door policy, come to me boldly. We've got to have that open door where they can come to you boldly and say, bro, I'm struggling again. All right, well, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what we can do different. Disciple making, it's hard work sometimes, but it's what he called us to do. And there's really not a lot of things more rewarding. So as I close, until we master the fundamentals, we can't really go on to more advanced truths. Until we're fed milk, we can't digest the meat of the word. Babies are adorable while they're babies, but if they stay that way, I'm I'm concerned. Well, in the Bible, the church of God acts in the role of a mother to new believers, and the church will always be there to help guide, feed, direct, nourish. However, at some point, and I I alluded to this earlier, a believer should come of age where he or she learns to study the word by themselves. Pray and learn to hear and respond to God's voice in their own lives. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Scripture says, study 
to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Greek word for study is spudadzo. The word means to exert, exert one's self in any endeavor to demonstrate haste or zeal, to give diligence or to labor. So that is telling us to give diligence to God's word, to labor for it, to, stu- to get into it. I am here to serve you in any way I can. But if the only physical meal you're getting is a Sunday or Wednesday, you will be malnourished spiritually. And eventually you will die spiritually. As a baby, they can eat two ounces of milk. Well, then four years from now, they're like eating more than us half the time. Well, it's spiritually the same way. You can get by with that Sunday or Wednesday in the beginning and somebody looking after you, but eventually the meal's got to get bigger and they need someone to help them, show them how to eat. But if you're here tonight and you say, well, I get, you know, occasionally I'll dive into the Word or once in a while, I, you know, I hear pastor's messages and sometimes I'll jump on a podcast. It's not enough. For some of you, that might be enough. And that's not derogatory. We're all at different places. But for a large majority, both here and online, there's got to be something in this series that says, I I promise you this, I'm going to aim my stand. I'm going to raise my bar a little bit up. and And I'll say this because I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. There are some of you that God is calling to go deeper, to go to a higher level. You know too much. You've walked this way too long. God's done too much for you to keep existing like you are. And I say that with love and compassion. God's calling someone and saying, hey, if you want to see things you've never saw, you need to be willing to do things you've never done. In this series, there's got to be things, not just, oh, the rules about what I'm not going to do, but some things that I'm going to put in and comes to prayer and fasting and reading the word that we got to say, hey, I'm willing to do some things I've never done because I want over the next 16 weeks, I want to develop some things in myself that changes the course of where I'm going with Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Jesus, as we begin to find a place to pray tonight, Lord, if we have nothing else to say tonight, we have this. We can find a place right now and begin to thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the fact that you robed yourself in flesh. You died on a cross. You bridged a gap that, that really humankind, we created, Father, because you love us. Because even in our sin, even in our, in our poor choices, our foolish decisions, you still, still have mercy and grace extended in our lives. God, help us to keep going in this process, to keep moving forward, that we don't ever want to stagnate and just say, well, I've, I've been here for the last five years and ho- hopefully someday I'll grow beyond this point. Know that we're going to be more intentional than we've ever been to say, you know what? I am not content to just sit here. I want more, God. I'm hungry for you, Jesus. I want to go deeper than I've ever been. I want to go further than I've ever gone. I want to go higher than I've ever seen. God, I want to begin to dedicate my life in ways that I've never dedicated my life. I want to begin to make some sacrifices Lord that I've never made before Jesus because I want you I'm hungry for you I'm thirsty for you and you tell us in your word that those who hunger and thirst will be filled so God I believe that you're getting ready to do some things in this church that take us to a whole new level Jesus 
God, let us be hungry tonight. Let us be willing to, to, to make the consecration that you're calling us to. Because it's not just going to happen automatically. Someone else can't just take us there and we all get to jump on corporately. There are personal commitments and sacrifices that I know that you're going to call us to make, oh God. And help us to meet and rise to the challenge, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.